this is Starface Radio episode 98 and you are joining us in sunny, no not quite sunny, Sheffield. I'm one of your regular hosts Chris and I am joined by Mike who has come all the way across the pond. Oh yeah, it was a long, long journey. Went through many scary places, some great places and now I'm finally here in Sheffield, the Steel City. And you've dealt with some sheep, apparently, on the Oh trains. my gosh, there were there were sheep blocking the line last <laughs> night. Uh, it had to stop two trains. Actually, the train ahead of us was uh, trapped and like encircled by this this mob. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yep. And we, of course, joined by another Sheffield resident and uh, host, James. Hello, James. Hello. Hi. I've ventured all the way up the hill. It's, it's not quite as a, as mighty a journey, but goodness know it. Uh, if you walk it, it's certainly a bit of a deal, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so we are going to be chatting about what? We've got a few secret frequency stuff. This isn't going to be that long an episode because um, it's just using the chance that Mike is on the mm. other side of the pond. Yep. Um, so it's kind of a follow-up to the Boston episode. Uh, let's think what else we've got. Maybe a bit of White Wolf Onyx Path news that we know yeah. of, and uh, generally Mike's impressions of how the UK is so far. Yeah, yeah, just a little you know, marketing <laughs> marketing and advertising chat. Right, okay, so with that we'll go on to uh, Onyx Path, White Wolf, World of Darkness, Chronicles of Darkness news. some v5 dice they are oh, yeah. um let's check these bad boys out right here they look nice i think they uh they got a pretty good production uh overall There's... uh i'll say that they're okay I, I mean i would have liked the red to be more like the red on the box i think these mm. are a bit more candy apple red rather than right, the right. more vermilion red uh, they changed the um, the pips on the red dice to be white rather than black, and I believe that was because of readability. Mm. Uh, the dice are quite lightweight, but that is, is that kind of standard of dice these days? Because when I get Chessex mm. dice, they're quite they feel quite weighty compared to these. Correct. Ones. Yeah. So this probably means they're a cheaper Chinese manufacturing. In fact, I might say that in the box. Um, and they usually use a, a bit of a lighter plastic. But yeah, if you get like game science dice or some of the fancier dice, they're a, a much heavier plastic. But if you actually look, the symbols are all clear and the paint really came through well. Um, there's no trouble reading the symbols on these. So I think that's definitely a, a sign of good quality control overall. I mean, I'm, I'm suspicious about these dice because the very first roll I did, I got a messy, uh, a messy crit. So, uh, you know. <laughs> hmm. um, they do work. I mean, I think we used them and it was quite easy to read off results. Yeah. You can see immediately what you're doing. So they're fine. They're cool. They arrived. Um... What else is out uh, that we've heard talking about V5 um, from, what was it, Midwinter? What's the, what the con that the guys ran? Yeah, Midwinter uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yes, so uh, they announced a new V5 book called, is it Blood, uh, Cults of the Blood Gods? Correct, yep. And 
that will detail the Hakata, so that's the clan of death, or the clan and bloodlines of death. So mm. we're getting the Giovanni, uh, Cappadocians, Samadhi, and pretty much anything else that falls under that that umbrella. Yeah, and we're not sure if like the the Nagaraja are going to be in there, um, and some of those other kind of more obscure things. But uh, definitely a lot of vampire clans and bloodlines dedicated to that oblivion discipline that they're using now in place of the classic necromancy and thanatosis. Oh, yeah, yeah, because, of course, that, that we learned that from um, Chicago by Night, the uh, link with the La Sombra, so we're getting the other yep. side of that. So that's kind of cool. Um, and also, I guess, about all the other cults, so we'll get a lot more detail than what we've got in the books already, so I think we'll get some more information maybe on, like, all the different heresies and, mm -hmm. like, hopefully a lot more on the Canite heresy. I think, actually, they did say there's going to be some Canite heresy in there. Right, cool. So that's good. Uh, and then also out is uh, Promethean, the Creative Night Horrors, The Tormented, which mm. I haven't read yet, but I believe it has the the nuclear Prometheans. Yeah, the uh, the Zeke or the Zeke. So yeah. they so they so you've got each of the Promethean types is linked to an element. So you've got fire, water, earth, air, spirit with the Uglan. Mm -hmm. And then these guys are the nuclear, because that's kind of like this modern energy. Um, and then also, like, in the core book, I think there's androids? Uh, yeah, there so are the uh, ones that are created from, not people, but from inanimate objects. Yeah. And yep. then there might be a few others. Like, because they also had one in um, in the Dark Heroes they did, which was the Dust Bowl. So they had a particular type of... Promethean from that oh, period as well. Um, I haven't read the rules or, or exactly on that one. So they're kind of the Dustborn, I think they were called, or something like that. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff out for that. Yeah. I definitely encourage them to uh, be a bit more creative with the uh, the Promethean types and their their links to not just like the classic Greek four elements or five elements, yeah. and uh, just kind of try to associate what might be created from different tragedies in human history. And then there's also the Sentamani, there's a few examples from there, and I believe Matthew Dawkins said there was one that was made out of lots and lots of hands. What? So Ooh. that reminded me of the, the video I shared from that um, on the uh, on the Facebook page of this uh, company that does a lot of um, CGI monster design, because they're that type of company, and it was a short sci-fi film of Somehow this this uh, this mimetic virus caused mm -hmm. someone to start. So if you see it, this flash of light, it causes all these people to go mad, and they like start stitching their bodies together and combining it. So you know, Santamani are kind of cool. I like them. So yeah, I, I wouldn't mind digging into that one. Uh, yeah. Cool. Okay, and then um, is there anything else that's released new from Onyx? I think just Change the Lost 2nd Edition hard yes. copies are out now. And it's awesome, and it's yeah. right behind you on the shelf there. Yeah. Um, yes, I'm eager to dive back into Changeling once I've got other gaming out of the way. Uh, it's a really nice book. Like, oh, yeah. it's... Because it's... What do they call it? Do they call it Prestige Edition? A Prestige level? Uh, I think it's just the deluxe version is what they call it. I don't know. But basically it's... It's a little bit nicer than the, the print-on-demand version. So if you still get the POD from Drive Through RPG, you get all the content. And you get, like, a pretty well-made book. But this is done through traditional press. And it has, like, the nice foiling on the front. And uh, the, the title and the, 
it's, the side title are embossed. It's like the first edition book, but right. with bells and whistles. Yep. Because yeah. it's like the embossed um, logo. Uh, and then, uh, is that it? Is that it? That's all I can think of. That's all I got right now. Um, but there's a lot of cool stuff. And uh, of course, we've had some interviews with Dave Brookshaw, uh, Chris Allen, um, Crystal. Uh, Crystal Mazer, and there should be out either just before this episode or just after it, an interview with uh, Daniel uh, Lazan about all the cool stuff coming up as well. So a lot of really exciting It'll mention you just after this because we've called this episode 90, yeah, 90, so. uh, 98. 98. So 99 will be that interview. We'll try and get this one out quite rapidly anyway. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, if you really want to say thank you to Dark Lakes Radio, go buy The Hunger Within because mm-hmm. everyone at this table played it the first time oh around. Oh my gosh, we were the playtesters. That's and right. You were the original playtesters. Oh, and wow. you can go listen to that classic episode if you look for it. And if you like how it plays through, you can go buy it. It's on the Storyteller's Vault. It is Chronicles of Darkness 2nd Edition. And it is British folk horror uh, right. in a quaint little English town. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah man. man. That, that, that was a tragic, tragic adventure. It did not work out well for us. It has scales of success. Yeah. Um, which I think is good if you're going to use it as a one-shot to get into the system because... You could use it as, you could use it, I would say, if, if everyone, if you were to play it and everyone, all the player characters die at the end, which is a perfectly fine end result, that is a good jumping point for, say, a, uh, for a Hunt of the, Hunt of the Vigil story, mm-hmm. or Mage, or, or Geist, or, Geist um, or Werewolf even. Promethean? Promethean fits into yep. it. Uh, there's a lot of uses for that you can yeah. go really wild with it so yeah you can pick it up it's not that expensive uh, and we do have stuff in the, the works for the future with Storytellers Vault so um, yeah so check it out and I yep. think that's us done for news yeah definitely so we'll shoot over to the next section and the bit we haven't talked about is what we're doing gaming wise but we'll get to that now Running some good games? Well, I'm uh, I'm running D and D at the moment. I've just oh, started nice. a uh, horror as a horror as a setting rather than a genre because uh, I mean mm. it is D and D. You know, you're you're always smashing monsters, so right. they don't hold that much creepiness. But it, it, it's um, uh, it's going very well at the moment. Everyone started dead. They've been granted a reprieve from being dead, uh, and that's that's going fairly well for them. Um, mm. I also. Uh, I've also been playing a bunch of Speed Freaks with uh, with Chris. Yeah, we played our second Speed Freaks game, and that plays like X Wing, but random. Yeah, like not not random enough that it's not satisfying. You don't feel like your decisions are making an impact, but random enough that you don't need to spend too long making your decisions because it could be that your vehicle spins out. You know, you're not or stalls or gets blown up before you even do anything. <laughs> yeah. 
It's, it's hilarious because you can do you, the the system allows you to simulate power slides as well. Just really? So you can if you want to turn, but also turn and keep your guns on someone, you can power slide. Interesting. Huh? Yeah, it's really satisfying. So, shaving your war truck round into a ridiculous bend and. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then also, you've joined the V five campaign. I'm running. Yeah, so I've been playing. I've played some V five. Um, first dice roll went. Yeah, you were doing some research and looking at lots of occult weird stuff. And I flipped out and pretty much drained a fool, right? Yeah, you you went into a future state yeah. and uh, you were in the nightclub, which the, the coterie. Maintains. I went into the okay. VIP room, asked someone up, and they almost died. Not, wow! Not my not my proudest moment, really, but a nice way to get introduced to the group. That was a pretty good messy critical, yeah. um, which just shows you use a messy critical with a. Uh, if you're doing something that isn't very like physical based, what does the beast do? And sometimes you just go with it. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's about gaming wise. I haven't done anything else. No, that's about it. And then. You haven't done much gaming right now. No, I'm supposed to have a Shadowrun game coming up next week, next Tuesday. And I currently have one person confirmed and two maybes. So we'll see if that actually uh, gets started or not. But hopefully it does. I'm actually looking to use the Shadowrun Anarchy rules, which are like a lighter, fast play version, as opposed to the 500-page monstrous uh, core book full of rules and you know shopping catalogs. So uh, pretty psyched about that. It seems like it's a really good... Um, uh, vehicle for for running Shadowrun, and the reason why I actually wanted to do uh, Shadowrun right now is because there's a new book that just came out for uh, fifth edition, which is called Better Than Bad, uh, which is a source book focused on like Shadowrunners that aren't terrible libertarian scumbags, and they're actually trying to like enact positive change in the sixth world, and uh, you know kind of uh, just a lot of like social issues uh, that you can deal with. And I thought that might be a pretty cool vehicle because I've heard from older Shadowrun players that that was what the game was a lot more about back in first edition. And it's only more recently that the the focus has turned to the more um, interest in just like trying to make as much money as you can and, you know, sticking it to the man to make money off the corporations, that, sh that sort of thing. So... Yeah, I think it could be a, a really neat time. Excellent. Um, right, I think that's game out of the way. Yep. Uh, Want to do the secret frequency? So, we have some Sheffield-based secret frequencies, and the first one concerns Sheffield's own version of the Spring-Heeled Jack. So, there's a written account by a city historian called Henry Tatton, who, writing in 1934, referred to the park ghost, also known as the Spring-Heeled Jack. And this entity could spring like a goat, jump through five barred gates like a cat, it used to appear at all times of night, robed in white, and suddenly appeared in front of people, mostly courting couples, and then suddenly disappeared when anyone tried to get hold of it. Uh, he said that the ghost used to appear 
near the grounds of the cholera monument off uh, up near the so near the um, uh, near those brutalist apartments is the cholera mm. monument uh, and it would appear uh, there uh, the cholera monument is striking it towers over the rail station it marks a mass grave where 402 victims of an epidemic in 1832 were buried and it was in 1873 uh, that police were called there to deal with this uh, creature that was terrorizing, springing and jumping around, running across uh, 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 across rooftops. Um, and of course, he's you know the Spring Hill Jack of London uh, terrorized uh, London in the early part of Victoria's reign and was said to breathe fire and, and be able to jump as he uh, in that manner, uh, and was immortalised in Penny Dreadfuls as a Batman-type vigilante with futuristic costume wings and spring-heeled boots. So, clearly a strange entity. So the question is, is he a ghost? Is he some sort of cryptid? Is he uh, a vampire? I have no idea. So, what do you think about a spring-heeled Jack? Hmm. Jumping from rooftop to rooftop, being chased by the cops and that sort of thing. Uh, it's very interesting in uh, a lot of historical games. Um, but in these days, with like drone technology and um, a lot of more surveillance, there's CCTVs everywhere. Although, they're only looking at the streets, right? They're not usually looking at rooftops. Um, maybe that could explain some of this. Uh, yeah, actually, I think I would go with that angle. I would take a look at... Uh, what would be trying to travel across the rooftops to be unseen um, to avoid like closed circuit television, which it seems pretty common. I see signs for it all the time uh, in this country here. Hmm. Um, so in that regard, what could it be? We know in Vampire Fifth Edition, one of the new potence disciplines enables you to jump really high and far. Um, so that simply could just be a, a crafty bruja um, just traveling along the rooftops. Um, or a gangrel could quite easily do hmm. that. Hmm. Um, I was thinking Changeling the Lost, you could possibly go for, uh, like, the hunter, is it the hunter semen? <clears throat> or the beast semen, sorry, beast, beast semen. And yeah. um, one of the, like, the antelope-style kith, or something similar to that, like, goat-like. Um, because also, um, to lead on from this, why I say goat-like is apparently there were there were sightings in the in the 1970s, mm, okay. and they describe him as having cloven feet and red eyes, uh, and jumping 30 feet into the air, which is really really high. That's pretty high, yeah. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's some that's some significant clearance you're going to get there. Yeah. Um, I I kind of picked up on a different part of that where he mostly appeared uh, to courting couples and made me think what if it's actually something uh, mm. it's a bit of a bait and switch where yes it is something strange and cryptid but it's hunting maybe something that is uh, picking up prey by trying to isolate people romantically um, so maybe like a, something siren-esque luring people away um, oh. And this creature is going after them. So if you sent your, if you based your game on it and had someone going after this creature, it mm. turns out you've actually maybe not been concentrating in the right place. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, what what it would actually be itself, I guess, is is kind of uh, <coughs> the 
futuristic element of it, could it be a demon from demon descent because they're biomechanical? Uh, there we and that go. would explain some of the more biomechanical elements of it. So rather than being yeah. that, that's how they think it actually works, that is actually, it does actually have like pneumatic cloven feet. It does have extendable bat like wings made of, you know, serrated plates of metal. Right. Way better than the Steel City for. Indeed, yeah. yeah. In, I mean, Sheffield could well be one of the. Oh God, that's that is an idea. Sheffield is actually, you know, got a lot of uh, potential infrastructure going on with all the machinery and uh, and so forth. Okay, that's a that's definitely um, a route. Have we got any yeah. last ideas for it? Oh, what well, you got, James? No, sorry, it looked like you had something. Uh, oh well, I just want to bring up that there's actually a uh, an old Springheel Jack uh, supplement that. Eddie Webb wrote, and it should be on Drive Through RPG still, uh, from way back in the day. It's just like a one-two page thing that he did uh, as a little freebie. So if you're looking for some extra ideas, that's specifically based off of the London Spring Hill Jack. Um, you can get some good stuff there, including I think a stat block for him. Is that for Chronicles of Darkness? Yes, Chronicles of Darkness first, first edition. edition. So yeah, you can mostly easily update it, and there you go. You like it's a it'd be a full blown encrypted then. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, yeah, and James, you said the other idea. Oh um, no, I, I saw uh, I saw Mike looked like he had something mm -hmm. tasty. Ah, okay. But I think um, I think they also had some some slashes in one of the Hunter books, maybe Second Edition Hunters. Oh no! Um, in you mean Hunter the Vigil? Hun mm, the it, dark covered one, not the orange covered one. Yes, yes. yes. Hunter the Vigil yep. for Chronicles of Darkness. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, First Edition still. So yeah, I mean yeah, you could go the route that it's a slasher. Um, yeah, that's 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 a, an idea, a slasher that's obviously, God, I don't know, using drugs or whatever to... Oh, actually, yeah, that's a really good route, because being able to jump like that, that's almost a bit like the um, character in Split and in the new film Glass hmm. by okay. M. Night Shyamalan, which is obviously, a, they all lead on from Unbreakable, so that's a, that's an idea. Okay, I think we've exhausted that one. Uh, let's see. Um, there are some other interesting ones we're going to go through. Um, there are various demon dogs in Yorkshire, similar also to the ones in Lancashire. So we've covered things like uh, the, the, the Striker, which is a demon dog, or actually it's, it's a big, an alien big cat kind of like creature that's on the, on right. the moors outside of Manchester. But this is a similar thing called, it's a shock, a type of demon dog, called the Gabriel Hounds. Hmm. And these hounds are said to have the faces of men and have been heard passing the church on dark, still nights. So they're seen around uh, a parish church. And we've covered demon dogs all the way back. God, we're talking now, going to be at least eight years ago when we covered hmm. demon dogs to do with um, the devil dogs from my hometown. Um, so faces of men I think that's clearly easily you can use that Gabriel Hounds they could be linked to anything in werewolf quite easily or a fomori type creature mm. um, misshapen being in between forms uh, but then also equally you could go with um, anything from changeling uh, but is there anything else that's kind of a little bit more I, I was going to say something maybe with Changeling. If there's um, if a whole bunch of people have managed to get back across the hedge recently, 
and displaced their fetches. Maybe the fetches are out hunting for their replacements. Oh, right. they've, oh, yeah. they've got human faces. Maybe these are the faces of the of the changelings who've come back. The creature, the fetches have reverted to something more bestial. bestial yeah. To uh, now that they don't have a place in society. Um, oh, that gives me an idea. Maybe they are the um, hedge beast. Oh, actually, they're quite similar to the hedge beast creatures in. Oh, what the hell are they called? They're in Changeling First Edition. Um, they're like hedge wolves. I can't remember. But they, they again, they they are anthropomorphic and they use this like by huntsmen and gentry. So you could use them like that. Yeah. I'm not too sure about where to go with the, the link to the parish church, though. Oh, I mean, there's there's tons of different things. Um, I was actually reading up on the Gabriel Hounds a little bit, and they seem to be inspired a lot by Welsh mythology, uh, okay. specifically um, Aran, the uh, the Horned King, uh, that you may know from, like, the Black Cauldron and the, uh, the Prydane Chronicles, like right. King's books. Um, he had these things that were very similar to the Gabriel Hounds, um, if you look back at that mythology, there's a, a very interesting uh, element to Aran where he created his cauldron-born warriors from this, the Black Cauldron. So I'm wondering if maybe like the uh, the old parish church may have the old cauldron, like deep down, oh. uh, maybe, or maybe like something similar, like a dark well at the bottom of the, in its cellar or something, which could be used to create the uh, Gabriel Hounds. Or maybe they're just kind of guarding and defending this this one place and one location. So that's kind of a mythological take. For a more science fiction take, I actually wanted to turn to the new upcoming Deviant the Renegade. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I think this could be a really insane uh, creation of some corporation or, or maybe the government where they've created these kind of bloodhounds to hunt down the renegades. However, they wanted to genetically mix them uh, to give them human levels of intelligence. So you have this this creature that's some sort of hybrid in between, where it has like the uh, sense of smell, a lot of the instincts, but uh, it might even be able to communicate if they got the vocal cords right. You could also go with the, the very similar, then you could also go with uh, mm -hmm. the, uh, is it the Amkata from Demon of the, uh, not Demon, from Mummy the Curse? Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. So, got those is that kind of, of like a sphinx-like yeah, creature? Yeah, the, the uh, kind of chimerical I mean, keeping entities. with your sci-fi element, um, yeah, you just go with Freak Legion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you just go with classic Freak Legion. <laughs> no, I like the idea for Mummy of the Curse, because there was that, um, was the DNA Corporation, was that it? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, what are they called? It was something like that. I think DNA was like their, um... But they, they render down mummies into, uh, into, into a second. serum, into second yeah. that they use in serums and stuff. Yeah, so they might use some kind of chimerical sphinx thing. Yeah, and that's interesting because we, uh, we were just at the local museum where we were looking at some, uh, some mummies and some... Uh, yes. Yep. Feral stuff. Indeed. Yep. Okay, uh, a few last quick ones then. Um, so... There are things called Boggards, and there is a location in Sheffield called Boggard Lane. Ah. So apparently this is a haunting-type manifestation. And this lane, lane is said to be named after the entities which live or lived down there. A private house along the lane is said to, said to be haunted also by a phantom woodworker. So 
if we look up the term bogard, bogard is also quite similar to boggart, and boggart is a type of fae-like creature. Um, so a household spirit or malevolent, uh, or male malevolent, malevolent uh, genius loci in hunting field marshes or also other topographical features if you go by Wikipedia. So you know, you've got the fae element or you've got like a spirit. Um, a bogard also seems to turn up in D&D. <laughs> Um, hmm. And they're described as being primitive toad men of a vile disposition. So, is this a type of goblin uh, that we we just take it from D and D and we kind of backport it? That is frog like. Or... Yeah, definitely. So, um, when you have these kinds of lo local legends, which are specific to a certain location, that's a great place. And Change of the Lost have a trod. Yes. Specifically, there's hobgoblins and other hedge entities that might cross over or grab people, that sort of thing. Um, so that's like a really easy uh, uh, place to, to take things. Um, with regard to being like short uh, individuals, I wonder if there's something strange with the underworld nearby, which may cause like kind of malformed entities to uh, come up in, in that area. Um, which again can be like just another like citation for supernatural activity for ghost hunters to be looking for or imbued from Hunter the Reckoning, anything like that. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna spin something bizarre with both bits of that. So oh, the, sweet. Uh, the haunted woodcutter or the ghost of ghost of woodcarver you said. Yeah. So um maybe someone who has been cutting wood locally, it's wood that maybe uh spirit like fae-esque spirits have been inhabiting that wood when you carve it you oh, corrupt whatever it is so okay. maybe there's a whole bunch of wooden artifacts that these uh weird creatures have kind of been spawned from when they when the wood's been harvested and cut and crafted into something hmm. it's made these creatures that would be benevolent in uh, malicious so they kind of stay in that area um, and the guy, the, the woodcutter is hit themselves, has kind of been cursed for doing it. So when they've died, they've not, you know, their spirit hasn't passed on. So that's why the woodcutter is still in the area. That's almost like a weird ass. That's almost like a weird ass um, demiurge from uh, from Promethean. Oh yeah. So a demiurge was like creating, but rather than making, so maybe, like you say, carved from wood, but also could carve. <laughs> bits from wood to make up the missing body parts but in the process yeah. the final creature the final entity is more um toady like yeah. maybe uh and then but if you want to keep with the animalistic element maybe they are actually pandorans yeah exactly yeah i think that's what i was going to go with right there you know it's interesting there is no wood-based um promethean which at least that i know of you have the inanimate ones, but but wood, of course, came from a, a living tree, right? So that's an interesting route. You yeah. have you have this kind of synthesis of um, you know a, a mammal, a human, and you know the uh, the plant life itself, flora and fauna. So um, like the Greek nymphs and so forth, wood nymphs, yeah. Right, right. So that's what the Promethean itself might take the form as, but you know to have the uh, kind of you know maybe like a experiment beforehand to try to make this might take the form of the, the centimati that's more wood-based 
creating this kind of these little deformed creatures, which of course people usually wouldn't see unless a Promethean was nearby and there was enough uh, influx of Azoth to kind of awaken them. Cool. That gives me a crazy idea for garden gnomes coming alive. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's for a comical um, World of Darkness session right there. Right. Okay. I think we'll leave. No, I don't see keen on that one. We'll go with the last one because this is this this um this one is the um there is a rhyme that relates to the River Don, which flows through Sheffield, and the rhyme is from the medieval era and it says the shelving slimy river done each year a daughter or a son so apparently dr david clark noted uh that the 19th century historian joseph hunter thought the rhyme may have referred to sacrifices made to the water gods hmm. so um and then linked to this i read that jarvis cocker you know um from pulp um you know, famous singer, grew up in Sheffield, from Sheffield, from actually where around parts where we're currently are right now. Mm -hmm. Now, he, inspired by the public safety uh, announcement, like advert, film, inf infomercial, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, I think we can edit that in just so people can hear it at least. Yeah, we'll, we'll, get the, we'll, we'll get it in. We'll, we'll link the YouTube to it. But yeah. the point is, is that this infomercial, uh, do you remember it, James? So it's the... They also had it on Russell Brown's Ponderland. They talk about it's the I'm the spirit of dark of, of the of the water, and it's voiced by Donald Pleasant. Is that right, Pleasant? So um, you know the um, doctor from uh, from Halloween, who's going after Mike Myers. But the point, but the point is that you've got this hooded figure as the spirit of these waters that are dangerous, and kids are going to play in it. So John Scott, inspired by this, obviously. This this infomercial thing has ingrained itself within the cultural psyche, mm -hmm. and he would throw things into the river to kind of placate the river spirit. Right. Right. Oh gosh. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's how do we well. use this in World of Darkness or Chronicles of Darkness? I mean, I, I actually notice we've done a lot of Chronicles of Darkness ideas on these ones. Yeah, I sure. think I think it's because we're in the zone with it right now with yep. writing stuff. Um, my immediate thing is, by some means, this river god has used, by some means, used a TV executive, whatever, to come up with this idea. But it's almost like a tulpa. Hmm. So it's the spirit manifestation that requires enough people to focus on it to make it real. And now that it's real, maybe in your setting it's now taking people away so it's actually also making use of the fact that we're getting more amounts of flooding due to you know global warming you know global climate change type things so that's that's the first place i go with it um i'm not too sure about ancient water gods that would be around these parts but obviously you've the you know there's i'm sure there's some celtic any, any kind of animistic yeah. general deity would would certainly work and we were actually we were just in a museum before which had a little exhibit about the uh, sheffield flooding in the 1850s which was serious a levee broke and uh destroyed like 200 buildings or no 200 people died 20 buildings were destroyed and 10 something else but um I don't know, yeah a lot of people there yeah. was there's a, a lot of damage that was done and clearly you know angering a storm god or a ocean god or a river god something that could cause that to happen. 
And then, of course, under Sheffield, there's a whole network of tunnels to deal with the stormwater, and there's this one tunnel which mm. is huge, like a, almost cathedral-like arches in it. That's referred to by uh, what urban explorers as the Megatron mm. because that's just nuts. But yeah. that's definitely a route. Old, <clears throat> so yeah, you could go. I say um, an old god is perfect for werewolf in either form. Yep. Uh, Something, something magey probably could could go in there. They're always uh, like almost every idea we chuck out is always good for mage because mage yeah. deals with everything. Yeah. But it, you know, going with mage and a lot of other games, I think it would just be so awesome in your game. I usually don't have for World of Darkness stuff a computer at the table, but I would definitely break out a laptop or a tablet if you got one, spin it around as they're doing like research into what this could be, and just be like, well, here's an example of something you found, and literally just play them that mm. that TV service announcement and say. Well, that looks really similar to what people have been reporting in the area. This hooded figure. And, yeah, yeah, just that classic dark hooded figure is a great image to use just when you're describing what this could be. Uh, it's very foreboding. Yeah. I'm trying to... Because isn't there something with... Uh, you can kind of avoid paradox if you get people believing the things. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, so if you can get someone on side, you know, you turn up and you completely drown someone out in the street but yes you're wearing the get up and mm, right. everyone goes yeah no that is that is totally the water spirit that is going to be able to do that I would go even wilder and take the idea of the Megatron and create an entire domain in the underworld in Geist um, take the spirit and turn it into a, a cowboy. I mean, the Megatron basically could be the underworld with its yes. little rivers and canals. Oh no, you, you, well, yeah, it's one of the lower. It's a low point, so you yeah. can go in there and you'll find a Vernian Gate to this location, which is just which is populated by the dead of floods, so of any floods, and that means it could be an Vernian Gate that leads to a domain, which actually leads to other gateways back out, which could take you to. New Orleans, if you want to talk about floods there. Yep. Uh, Venice also suffers from floods. Any other place with canals or these giant aqueducts for stormwater is definitely a, a good place. Uh, and there's something about the dead from floods, which obviously if they were able to then escape would give you kind of an interesting kind of antagonist, especially if they start animating corpse dead from floods. Um... Thinking back to something we were talking about today, there's actually a man-made island in... or Callum Island. Callum Island. So maybe if you personified... If you've created this personification of water, land that has been claimed back from water is probably a like an antithesis to it. It's antagonising it. Maybe mm. maybe something is going to go... It's going to, like, flood. Or maybe there's lots of flooding on Callum Island. Maybe you have it as an antagonist that kind of way like water spirits you could go really um, wild with this and make the character that make this god even um you can really get into like go into the biblical elements and you could even draw in like elements from the um you know mythology of gilgamesh and dealing with a great flood as well there right, right so you can actually yeah the theme of floods allows you to really tap into like how it's um how great you know floods that we're suffering now but also floods from ancient times is a pervasive um gestalt kind of myth and fear mm -hmm. and it's just looking for times to pop up to kind of take its tithe of souls 
And then you lead oh, that into well. into the rivers of Styx and all the other rivers in the underworld. And that's perfectly fine also for doing... Um, I mean, in Wraith the Oblivion... Yep. Uh, you, you could easily go that route and add other things. And uh, it could be an agent of Karan. Um, yep. Oh, anyone yeah. want to add it? I think we went, we've went. we gone really yeah. deep on this one. That's deeper than I expected from a little rhyme. Yep. Flipping the rhyme the other way up, each year a daughter or a son is assumed to be a sacrifice, but could be a spawning. Ew, okay. So maybe maybe every year, you know, something's, something's come back, it's brought the tides back or something, and it's previously been benign, but maybe one year... Right. Or every year, a daughter and a son, if you don't make this other sacrifice, the city will be infertile. Hmm. Interesting. Right. I think that is it on our secret frequencies, on this really short one uh, episode, because we're uh, taking advantage of the fact that people are all in the same room. Yeah. This is like, what, about half the hosts all in one room? Just about, yeah. Which is uh, amazing. It'd be great to do these things more frequently, but you know we have geography in the way. Yep. Uh, right, I, I think that is it. Next, uh, as I said, next episode after this will more than likely be the other interview from Pax Unplugged. Yeah, that's right. And then following that up, we have some ideas for episodes. We've got some books we need to finish off reading and reviewing, mm-hmm. uh, and I think we'll be back to regular kind of episodes yeah. after kind of convention season is over yeah i've been cranking through uh, geist second edition so yes. we can finally get to that i know we promised that a couple months ago um but the first chapter was a bit of a struggle but now that i'm through that it's really coming together and i'm pretty psyched about it i really need to delve through like mage second edition properly yeah i think that's a book i need a hard copy of more than anything to really make headway with um right i think that is That'll be it then. So otherwise, uh, well, you can get in contact with us via email at Dark Day, uh, with darkdaysradio at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. We are on Twitter at darkdaysradio. We are on Instagram at darkdaysradio. We, we have our Discord. There is a link in the show notes for that. Uh, we are pretty much... And obviously, we're now on Spotify, if you're listening to us mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And we'll try and get it distributed by some other means as well. People have asked about Deezer. I don't understand very good Deezer. I just think you just we'll get to it. We'll yeah. see if it goes up there. If yeah. you listen to this by that point, we did it. Um, <laughs> Sorry. If you have any questions, please get in contact with us. If you have any suggestions for topics or ideas that you want us to cover, uh, even if they are classic topics, because we are almost at uh, episode 100. And, and almost 10 years old. 10 years old. We don't pump out that frequently, but that's because you get two-hour-long episodes normally. Yep. <laughs> um, but we will look at some, maybe look at some classic ideas, um, storytelling ideas, especially given we're getting second editions of various games now. We can re-explore some classic ideas. Uh, Gameplay-wise, you'll mostly get me talking about Warhammer 4th Edition as I start a campaign on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, other gaming that is going on. So thank you for being here and listening, and thank you, James and Mike, for being in Sheffield and uh, taking part in this. It's been a good one. Yeah, thanks for hosting. It's been a pleasure to be here. See you guys.
Oh, we completely <laughs> forgot about that. Okay, bonus yeah. content time. We're going to tack this on right at the end of the credit. So, okay. yeah, bonus time. So, uh, Mike, you've um, you flew from Boston to Heathrow. Yeah, that's right. And you've been via Oxford to Sheffield. Yeah. And you'd be going on to Nottingham to go to the 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 the, um, the mothership. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Games Workshop mothership. Oh, I'm going. I'm doing it. So. Okay, so what's I'll just go over my basic review of, yeah, of, of your, your fine your fine country. So, uh, the first joke I've been telling to all these people in the U.S. is that I wanted to go to England because this is the last time they will be able to tell me that I'm coming to the European Union when they stamp my passport. True, true. So I figured that would be you know a little bit of a novelty, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm rooting for you guys. Um, anyway, so yeah, uh, first thing in uh, in the U.K. was uh, taking the. Uh, the Piccadilly train, which, seriously, guys, guys it's, it's like, a train, is it? It's not the tube, it's the train. Oh, it's, it's the tube. tube. It's, it's the tube. tube. Yeah, yeah, it's the Piccadilly oh my gosh. Line. Like, people were like shoving, pushing each other. It was rough on there. It was real, real interesting. Once you get to London, it's pretty nice. It's pretty okay as you walk through Camden, dodging uh, dog droppings everywhere to get to Highgate Cemetery. Brutal. Um, yeah. But really, my jokes aside, uh, it's it's pretty rad. There's a lot of great museums and really interesting stuff to check out. Um, I took a, I went to the British Museum, took a bunch of photos of mummies, which I was then told you're not supposed to do. We warned you on it's on apparently the Boston episode. Me. I this. forgot already, so <laughs> you know uh, I'm now cursed. Sorry, everyone. And uh, but like a lot of like really interesting stuff there. Um, the I had a lot of fun in the uh, the Tate Modern Art Museum. Oh right, okay. Because what, what's the main? Do they have a special ex exhibition there? Like they've they've always got some big thing they're cycling around. So the last oh, time I, I went it. there with Sam, they had the huge chamber which is completely dark inside, and it yeah. and it has it had like a, a a fabric internal to kill all the light. So you keep Whoa. walking, walking. You don't know when the fuck it's gonna end, and that was weird. Yeah, that so, sounds interesting. What was there this time? I didn't. I didn't see a special exhibit. Actually, I think. Do you have to pay for the special no, exhibit? Not mm, that one. Okay. Uh, it's usually in the big hall. Hmm. No, no there's they, just there's usually a fair gap between them, so there'll yeah. be a few months where there's nothing. Yeah. They've got a lot of um, Picasso, a lot of Cubism yeah. work. Well, the fun thing I was doing was uh, I was in the sculpture area, and I would basically do like a full 360 around a sculpture and try to guess what the thing meant and then read the plaque. Right. And I was wrong every single time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really interesting. There's a lot of old stuff, like a lot of artwork of arist aristocrats and that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, some more modern stuff, especially when you get to the 19th century, there's some really great um, like landscape pieces and things about just the, the comic book. Yeah. You know, trying to live their lives, which is pretty rad. Um, so, yeah, from there, um, I went to Oxford, uh, which is awesome. Like, I wish I could have spent more time there. A lot of really cool old buildings. Uh, I went through a lot of stuff in uh, Oxford University. Yeah. Um, one thing that stood out is that there's a, between the library, there's two libraries, and there's, like, apparently a small tunnel that's only, like, six feet tall uh, in, running in between the two of them. And they used to have child uh, labor running books back and forth in this tiny tunnel. Um, and that's how they uh, you know, were able to just transport stuff back in the, uh, that was probably like 17th century when they built yeah. that. So yeah. a, lot of, uh, a lot of very interesting things. I also saw their like lock and dam system, which was kind of just an old piece of engineering. That was pretty rad. 
Um, and just like, it's a cool college town overall. Like definitely recommended for like a day or two just to check it out, see some Harry Potter shooting locations, whatever you want to do. Yeah, it's, yeah, Harry Potter town, isn't it? A little um, bit, a little bit. It's, yeah, Oxford's good because like, I mean, when I've been there, the thing, there's the Ashmolean Museum, which is where I got all the, all the huge photos of, of stuff um, a couple of years ago. Uh, there's also the Museum of Science, which has astrolabes and has a Ooh. marble, uh, a marble copy of John Dee's um, table that has Enochian on it. Hmm. Interesting. It's good. It's a good museum. It's like the it's the shit hot one to go into. Yeah. Um, if it you like that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, there's lots of museums there, and obviously the architecture is crazy. Like you know just old just very old gothic yeah uh maybe it's not quite gothic but it's definitely um dates back to like tudor it's like is it tudor period yeah it would be definitely tell into tudor period cool okay yeah. so you spent a good amount of time in oxford yeah. and then you've enjoyed british trains which didn't yeah, fail you they're, yeah they're fine they're um fine. <laughs> you know as long as there's no sheep on the line it's okay <laughs> um yeah it's you know a bit better than u.s trains but uh yeah, nothing really to write home about overall. It was fine. Everything was good. Got here in Sheffield. A uh, very nice city. Going to explore it a little bit more. But, yeah, uh, we're going to explore. Been pretty cool thus far. Uh, and also, Sam and I, and Chris, once he was done like cleaning stuff up, watched a, uh, a doll horror movie. Uh, you, watched, you watched uh, Annabelle. Annabelle, which is a, a prequel, sequel to The Conjuring. Mm -hmm. Um and concerns the whole, the actual real, I mean, the 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 that actual film is more uh, is completely fabricated. But the actual yeah. doll is real, called Annabelle. Yeah. And the real doll is a Raggedy Ann doll. So rather than being this kind of porcelain like doll, which it is in the film, mm -hmm. the Raggedy Ann doll is like this more soft quilt kind of yeah. doll, which actually looks fucking freakier than yeah. that one because it's got like big button eyes and or something like that. Uh, but yeah, it's like one of the most haunted dolls ever, other than what Robert the Doll, the, the classic. Yeah. Oh jeez. Uh, we saw uh, quite a few dolls then in the museum that yeah, we went that's to. Right. Oh my god. In, uh, in Western Park. Some were now. scary too. Jeez. I don't know why. Why do people make freaky dolls for little girls? I don't know. It doesn't See, make any sense. Do you? I do wonder. Like you know, back 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 in the the points where they were made. You know, it's it's a doll. It's probably not so freaky because that's that's the toys you've got. But you know, we we even just passively have picked up enough horror movie tropes that you can't yes. look at a doll with going, "That's haunted." Thank you very much. I'm not having yeah. that in my house. I think the Punch and Judy uh, puppets in the museum were also quite weird. I don't mm. Punch and Judy. Yeah. I don't freaking like anyway. I think it's but that's gonna. Oh, that's another thing for an entirely ep different episode. Punch and Judy's like got a whole kind of like um, history to it about yeah. what it means and so forth. Huh. I think from what I recall from someone talking about it, in the older Punch and Judy's, Punch usually gets, uh, and as we saw today, there was a hangman's noose. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And Punch usually gets actually like killed yeah and killed for his mm. crimes rather than just whacked with a paddle or bitten by a crocodile which is the more kind of modern and related to all of this about dolls you know horror and being pervasive within yeah. culture um and 
Uh, and like we were saying, like the spirit of water and how a lot of the things you get with these old adverts and infomercials and stuff that they, they kind of ingrain in the psyche of a culture. So that's why things like Scar Folk is so popular mm-hmm. with all its um, kind of faux, this town is stuck in the 70s, which also is built in. And that kind of thing feeds into things like uh, The League of Gentlemen, which is a classic mm-hmm. ho- comedy horror TV series in the UK. The, um, but related to this, we were talking about the fact that Slender Man, while it's a modern horror thing, he, he taps into archetypes that are obviously part of our psyche, our collective mm-hmm. culture somehow. And it reminded me of the Judder Man from the old Mets advert. So Mets is like this alco pop thing, which was very nice back in the day when you were an 18-year-old student. But the point is, is that you'd never seen it. And again, it's like you... you it oh, starts man, it scared the, me so it's much. It's very Tim Burton-esque, like it has a puppet element at the start. It's then when it gets a live action thing, the Judder Man is this figure that's kind of got a Jack Frost kind of feel to him. He... He moves with a gracefulness which is um, similar to the child capture. So that whole ballet dancers can really give you that otherworldliness because they have such control of emotion. And then also the way they film that, if you notice, is that they actually use a classic crank film yeah, to get yeah. the, the stuttering. Yep. So even though it's live action, it looks more like stop animation or yep. like classic yep. films like, like Nosferatu. Yeah, and for me, you know, as an American watching this... The uh, the voiceover of the woman, you know, I could kind of understand some words, but others because she was talking in a very like kind of quiet European European yeah. manner. It was it was really just like disorientating overall. And this was a kid. Well, no, no, no this was a as I was saying, kids out. This was an advert that was on TV during like yeah. early evening, late evening, and so kids would inadvertently see this and it is renowned as being one of the top 40 or top 100 horror moments greatest horror moments in mm. of tv yeah that was done I on channel four it. years ago it. and terrified the fuck out of kids which is hilarious um so i think that might be a topic we come back to it's like you know mm. these these um these archetypes that somehow embed themselves into our collective psyche based on things like i'm sure oh, yeah. there's something in the u.s like there's particular oh, I, I already know adverts about. adverts or tv shows and stuff that when combined together have this kind of narrative that doesn't matter what generation you're from or or if you're from a particular generation you go that terrified yeah. everyone there is something that scared the shit out of millennials that i'll talk about and it makes sense but the way they went about it is going to be very alarming <laughs> fuck so yeah, that's. Uh, I think that that that. So you've had kind of a, almost a, a bit of a crash course on on what scares British people. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Pretty much. So which is fake creatures and spirits of water. Uh, yeah. And tomorrow I'm going to go to Nottingham. I'm going to go to Warhammer World, and I guess I'll report back on that in the future. Take some pictures. Because oh, I didn't take any last time because I went there for chatting about gaming stuff. Mm. Uh, yeah. It. And then after Nottingham, is, what's your... Just going back, yeah. And you catch on the flight from Heathrow. From Heathrow, yep. So we're back to London. That's, oh, wow. That's it's going to be a long trip, but whatever. But you've got Nottingham Castle to go to as well, haven't you, as well, if you yeah, can fit that in the day. It's really close, so when you get into Nottingham... Yeah, it's really easy to do. I'll yep. explain yep. that. Right, that's your, uh, <laughs> your bonus material. <laughs> yeah. 
So let's just end this there.